Hey yo, what's up everybody? Welcome to the Review It Rob show. I am of course your host, Review It Rob, coming at you with all the uh, excitement and energy that I still somehow have after what went on this weekend, man. I'm going to talk about that here in a second, but appreciate you all tuning in to listen to the show. Got a lot of news to talk to, to uh, talk with you about. Uh, starting it off with, of course, you got your mandatory DC news on this episode. That is mandatory every single episode, as well. Mandatory horror talk taking place on this episode. Got some Star Wars stuff to talk about. Got some video game stuff to talk about, as well as other news circling around in the movie realm and uh, what's releasing this week. So, again, hope everybody out there is doing good. Hope you are having a great time. And, you know, before we get in there, like I mentioned, I got some things to talk about here. I uh, went on an adventure this weekend with my brother and a couple of my nieces as we decided to go down to the place I lovingly refer to as my home. That being, of course, Universal Orlando Resort. Um, went down there, had a great time, man. You know, uh, I rode um, the rides that we, you know, could ride. Met my buddy uh, Zach from uh, Zach Speakeasy. Check out that show whenever you can. He's also part of Haunter's podcast. Uh, they're going to be kicking up some stuff as the haunt season uh, gets moving, especially with the HHN stuff and whatever other haunt stuff goes on. He does that with uh, his lovely wife, Brooke, and Mr. Wonderful. Check out his show, the Mr. Wonderful Show, as well. Um, yeah, But yeah, ran into him down there. He was down there. Uh, ran into him, talked to him. Uh, it was cool, often to see him hang out, and, you know, we kind of did our own thing, because, you know, we're both there doing family trips, but decided to, you know, meet up, because we're boys, man, um, we're bros, we're brothers, and, you know, of course, you know, did the stuff you do at Universal, man, hit rides, check out shows, and uh, Mardi Gras was going on at the time, so did some uh, Mardi Gras stuff, so checked out the Mardi Gras float, that was fun, caught three beats, because I'm an athlete, yo, check it out, um, and, you know, just had a fun, great time with, um, you know, they had the Universal Monster store up. They had uh, the Mardi Gras Tribute store up. You can hear more about this stuff in depth with on, um, I believe Zach's doing it on his Speakeasy show this week. Unless it's a Haunters podcast episode, but I think it's Speakeasy. I don't know. What to Follow both shows anyways. They're both fantastic. Um, but, you know, I had a great time, man. You know, did the Jurassic Park River Adventure ride, which, you know, it's got some wear and tear to it not really because they you know they update it and they do the uh, refurbishments every year and all that stuff but you know it's very much an animatronic ride um you're on a river boat you're floating down the river chaos happens as always does with the jurassic franchise and you take an 80 foot drop um absolutely love that ride man i i you know just this i've always enjoyed the ride a lot but it just felt like this time on this trip where i was just on the ride and just floating around floating along and just had the biggest freaking grin on my face the whole time because it's just I love dinosaurs and I love that franchise so much. So just being on that ride again was fun, and you know so much great excitement. Did the Spider Man ride, which is always fun. Um, uh, e T did that. That was fine. Um, I don't hate the E T ride. It's 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 what it is. It's very much a product of the nineties, and, and you know it, it works. Would I prefer to have Jaws over E T? Yeah, maybe, but you know. You got Diagon Alley out of it, so I can't be too upset that uh, Jaws is gone, even though it should still be there. Uh, and, you know, maybe move it to another part. Hey, get rid of the Lost Continent, put it there. I don't freaking care. <laughs> you know, uh, just do something. Um, hey, you know, hey, other stuff happened. Um, I did the Transformers right. It's what it is. Basically Spider-Man, but with Transformers, but not as good of a story. Um, 
And yeah, man, I just overall had a great time. It was very interesting and fun just to go down there for. I just love being there, man. It's my happy place. I know people are like, eh, you know, you need to go somewhere to be happy. You're not living life right, dude. That's not how it works, man. Uh, do what makes you happy as long as you're not like hurting somebody. And if going to a theme park is just like your home feeling and your love, freaking awesome, dude. Because that's definitely my home and love, especially when it comes to Universal Orlando Resort. So I did that over the weekend. Had a good time. Um, didn't get a whole lot of watching in. It's not really anything that's really come out that's caught my attention to go see. I know Moonfall released. I know Jackass released. I didn't really want to see either one of those movies in theaters. I, I'll see them eventually. Uh, but this weekend, there is a movie coming out that I'm uh, wanting to see in theaters and hoping to get to theaters to see. And we'll talk about that when we get to the things that are releasing this week section of the show. But as for everything else, it is now time to jump in to our episode with the first bit of news, which is going to be our mandatory DC news. So, since the last time we talked, uh, there's been a little bit of teasing going on by one of the DCEU's superstars. Uh, Ezra Miller did a little bit of teasing over on his Instagram involving a certain Batman. Uh, a Batfleck, if you will. Uh, in the tease, uh, Ezra Miller put on his Instagram story a highlighted section from a recent interview that Ben Affleck did with Variety. You can see the, um, he underlined a section noted by Ben Affleck where he said, quote, one last time in reference to playing Batman in the upcoming Flash film that's releasing later this year. Uh, in a response to this, Miller wrote, ha ha ha, in large red letters across the screen, hinting that Affleck may not be as much done as he has said. Um, who knows? And that's what I love about this DC stuff, man, is that it's anything can happen. Like, you can be part of the DCEU. It can be a completely separate side story. They can make random stories. They can do whatever they want over there in DC. They don't have to stick to, like, one singular freaking storyline. They can do whatever they want in DC. I love it. Plus, you know, DC has awesome-ass characters. Um, so, who knows what's going on here? You know, there's obviously people have um, loved Ben Affleck's Batman. They've come around to loving Ben Affleck's Batman. Um... And you don't necessarily want to see him go, but at the same time, you've got uh, Robert Pattinson coming on board. you got all this other stuff going on. It's like, what's going to happen? What's going on here? So freaking exciting, as far as I'm concerned. Some people who don't get it are like, yeah, it's confusing. <laughs> to me, and a lot of people in the know, man, we're freaking excited about this. So, who knows what's going to happen? Very interesting that Ezra cho chose the ha-ha-ha, um, which could be obviously a reference to the Joker, uh, who has obviously has ha-ha-ha. Uh, tattooed on him in Jared Leto's version, ha ha ha, as a part of the Joker's comic book history and all that stuff. So, and you know, the rumor was uh, that Affleck's Batman film was going to be focused on his Batman versus uh, Deathstroke, and you know, Joker would be part of the story as well. So, that could maybe is that happening over on HBO Max as a uh, its own trilogy deal or whatever? Who knows, man? But it's very um intriguing and it's interesting to kind of like put in to motion what the thought process is and all the things that are going on but what we do know is that Affleck will be donning the cape and cowl in the Flash film releasing later this year on November the 4th 2022 and I'm so excited man I can't wait uh, we've got the reveal of what our next music biopic will be. We've had some biopics hey, uh, taking over the world recently with Bohemian Rhapsody and Elton John's Rocket Man film. And now we know the next one coming is a biopic based on Michael Jackson. Uh, the worldwide distribution rights were picked up by Lionsgate is what we learned as well. 
the film is being made with the blessing of the pop legend's estate. Uh, Michael will be an in-depth portrayal of a complicated man who became the king of pop. Uh, it will bring to life Jackson's most iconic performances as it gives an informed insight into the entertainer's artistic process and personal life. Um, I personally am a Michael Jackson fan. Always have been a Michael Jackson fan. Um, he's the, without a doubt the king of pop. He's the biggest pop star of all time. Uh, one of the most world... I mean, just look up old videos. The dude can make you cry just standing on stage. Um, that's the power he had. Just coming out there, had people fainting, getting hysterical, just standing there. You know, that's the power this man had. So... Um, it's cool that he's getting a biopic. It's great that the family uh, gave the blessing to it. It's not going to be one of these smear campaign movies that we've seen come out recently of Michael Jackson. Um, this is going to be uh, something celebrating his life, it looks like, and I'm all for this and excited for it. I like me a good biopic if it's done uh, right, uh, like Rocket Man, which was uh, very, very well done. So, can't wait to see where that goes. We'll have more news on that as things go forward, but... Uh, not surprising that Michael Jackson can get a movie. Like I said, he's one of the biggest stars of all time. He's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for um, two different, uh, two separate occasions with the Jackson 5 and, of course, a solo career. You've got the man's won, what, 14 Grammys. Uh, he's had hundreds, well, not hundreds, but, you know, a ton of songs on the top 100 list. He's had breakout songs. He had number one songs in five different decades. The first person to ever do that. Like, it's just an absolute legend. So, um, yeah, he's got the next biopic. And... Let's see, last bit of news again before we get into our horror thriller suspense talk uh, is that Dakota Johnson is apparently close to being cast as Madame Webb in uh, Sony's next standalone superhero movie based in the Spider Universe. Now, this would mark uh, Sony's first modern comic book adaptation to feature a female character in the title role. Uh, Dakota Johnson's deal is not officially closed yet, but is being confirmed that she is uh, close to securing the role uh, as the talks go on. Um, Madam Webb, I believe I'm saying her name correctly, uh, first appeared as a side character in the Spider-Man comics back in the back in 1980, uh, where she was depicted as a blind, paralyzed elderly woman who has um, a chronic autoimmune auto disorder requiring her to connect to a life support system resembling a spider web. Um, again, the character was introduced in uh, the Amazing Spider-Man comic series, where uh, she's like a clairvoyant mutant whose abilities prove to be greatly beneficial to Spider-Man, his fellow allies like Spider-Woman. Um, now, Dakota Johnson, you may know her. I think her breakout role was like Fifty Shades of Grey in that whole trilogy. Haven't seen them. Um, I think I may have watched the first one, but other than that, I wasn't interested enough to see the other two. And then she was most, uh, you know, uh, in the Suspiria remake. She's done some other films recently. She's she's out there. You know her name. Um, Madam Web is one of several Spider-Man films that are getting spinoffs of their own and development uh, development over at Sony as they're working on their own expanded film franchise. Um, of course, they have the Venom film, which has had, you know, two movies. There's a third one, I'm sure, on the way. Um, the Bombius movie, which has been delayed heavily over and over over again, is currently set to release, I believe, April 1st of this year. And then you've got uh, Craven coming as well over there. So, we'll see what happens. They're working on their own film universe. There's no indication that these are, this movie will be connected in any way to the uh, MCU stuff that's going on, but at this moment in time, we don't know what's going on. 
when it comes to those two working side by side with everything maybe they'll find a way to get this to work or find a way to get that to work but nonetheless man you're getting more spider-man influenced stuff so there you go <laughs> um and now we get to our horror talk in the section is where we talk horror related movie news uh tv stuff um you know, suspense, thriller, anything close to horror is what we're going to talk about here. Starting off with, of course, the news that broke that uh, after its huge box office success, the uh, Scream franchise is getting another film, in which we can pretty much call Scream 6 right now. Uh, as uh, Spyglass and Paramount Pictures have given the green light to move forward with the next installment in the franchise, bringing back the team that helped put together the most recent Scream film, which again has had... A uh, pretty good box office success. So, not surprising. Again, you know, with the fact that it made money. Uh, is it very quick and very, you know, maybe we should take our time? Uh, thought process? Yeah, maybe. But at the same time, you know, screen movie. I have what, what, you know, they all kind of follow the basic formula and set up. It's one of the things I said when I saw this movie. I'm like, it felt like I was watching, you know, a movie I've seen before on this franchise. So, you know. We'll see where it goes. I'm not utterly against it. I think it's, you know, you know going to be what it is. Well, I'm obviously going to see it. I like the Ghostface character. Uh, that was one of my favorite parts. I've seen the movie in theaters recently. It was just cool to see Ghostface back up on the big screen. And, you know, like I said, it made money. So, well, I no idea if um, the legacy characters will be returning for, uh, if any of the legacy characters will be returning for uh, this film. We'll see what happens. I knew it was a process to get them all in, especially uh, Nev Campbell. So we'll see uh, if, you know, they're going to go that route again or if they're going to bring any other past characters back. Who freaking knows, man. But what we do know is Scream 6 is very much on the way. So, hey, good on them, I guess. <laughs> and I wanted to make it sound like I hate the Scream franchise. I don't hate the Scream franchise all that much. It's just, you know, it kind of plays on the same beats over and over again, which, you know, I just got done doing the Saw franchise, so... I know all about watching a franchise that kind of plays by the same beats over and over again. But, um, you know, I, I haven't watched the Scream, uh, sat down and really watched the Scream franchise in a while. I, I have my rankings. Um, I don't think it would really change while watching the films again. But, you know, I'll definitely dive back in there, especially for a future um, Nightmare on Review It Street series. But, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know what to think right now. It's too early in the game to think what to think of, with you know, where they're going to go. Who knows? Um, something I am I am really excited about is that a new live-action Goosebumps television series is on the way. Has been picked up for a 10-episode order over at Disney+. Plus. Uh, Goosebumps is said to follow a group of five high school students who inadvertently unleash a bunch of supernatural forces onto their town. Kind of sounds like the movie. Uh, the students must then work together in order to not only save their own, but also uncover the mysteries of their own parents' teenage secrets in the process. Um, so yeah, it kind of kind of has a feel of uh, the movie, most recent Goosebumps movie, where you know the books are opened and the characters are released into the real world. Um, I don't believe this is a continuation or follow-along of the uh, film franchise. More than likely is not. Um... Now, of course, this will be the second live-action series, as there was a Goosebumps show that aired in uh, 1996, ran for four seasons and a total of 74 episodes, and ended up in 1980 or 1998. Um, if you think, if you're reading, like, what, four seasons? That was only two years? Yeah, man, that's how stuff worked back in the 90s. Um, 
the original series was an uh, anthology series, if you will, of each book that R.L. Stein wrote. Uh, books um, would be turned into an episode and sometimes spun off into multiple episodes. Um, you know, and I love the show just like I love the books back in the day. And I've always been like a fan of the Goosebumps franchise. And I was excited about the movie when it came out. I saw it in theaters, watched the second film, you know, what it is. And freaking R.L. Stein, man, I, I don't know if you want to call it like a renaissance or whatever, but he's been very heavily out there recently. Uh, you know, this would be the second series that he's done over there at Disney Plus, where he recently did the uh, Just Beyond series, which was based on his graphic novels. Um, and then, of course, he did the, uh, you know, his, uh, you know, obviously part of it because he wrote the wrote the books that inspired it, uh, the hugely successful Fear Street trilogy that was over on Netflix. Um, so really cool to see it working, man. Again, somebody who grew up loving the Goosebumps series. It's awesome to see this uh, process that's going on here and these releases that are happening. And I'm excited, man. I can't wait to see how this goes. I really did like the um, the way they did it in the 90s where, you know, each book was like turned into an episode. That was really cool. Um, but this show, we'll see where it goes, man. It's going to be interesting without a doubt. It gives you more of a reason of something to watch on uh, Disney+. Plus. Let's see, Eddie Izzard has been cast as Dr. Nina uh, Jekyll in Dr. Jekyll. The film is going to be a modern interpretation of, of course, the iconic 1886 novella, uh, The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Uh, the film will follow the uh, recluse, reclusive uh, Nina Jekyll finding friendship with her newly hired help, Rob. Oh shit, I'm in this movie? Hell yeah, let's go, dude. Um, played by emerging actor Scott Chambers, motherfucker, um, who must work together to prevent Hyde from destroying her life. Uh, the sequel to... There you go. I, I was jumping into the next bit of news before even finishing that. Dr. Jekyll had uh, Mr. Hyde. Great freaking, you know, story, right? I mean, good times. We all get it. We understand it. Classic story uh, that's lived on through decades. So, can't wait to see how that turns out there. Uh, now into the next big news, the sequel uh, to, to Jason Satham's shark thriller film, The Meg, uh, has officially begun shooting. Of course, if you don't know what The Meg is, it's pretty much a film about a murderous 80-foot prehistoric shark attacking things. Um, I, I saw the first Meg movie. I don't remember much about it. Um, the only thing that's coming to mind is that when they had the dog swimming out to water and then the dog turning back around and swimming back to the boat. Um, other than that, I don't remember much about the movie. Um, you know, shark movie horror thriller thing snap jaws you know um it's kind of the problem these movies run into is like ah oh, there's jaws and then there's all the other ones right so is that a fair statement no is it an accurate statement fucking yes it is you know so i mean we'll see where it goes i mean good on them obviously it made enough money and did enough press for it to where it's gonna get a sequel um whether it needs one or not is beyond my decision making because like i said i don't remember the other Meg movie, I'll probably end up watching it uh, before that one comes out. But nonetheless, there is a Meg 2 on the way for you, Jason Statham, and prehistoric shark-loving people out there. Uh, let's see, Robert England is coming to Netflix later this year in the fourth season of Stranger Things, but this is not the only time you'll be seeing Robert England in a new series on the Netflix, as he will be starring in Choose or Die, which will be premiering on April 15th. Uh, the show is said to be about um, after firing up at a after firing up a lost 80 survival horror game, a young coder unleashes a hidden curse that tears reality apart. 
forcing her to make terrifying decisions and face deadly consequences. It is the horror version of Jumanji, it sounds. Um, I'm into it. Like, I'm into this. This sounds good. Bring it on, dude. April 15th, it's not too far from now. I'm into it. Can't wait to check that out. I don't know if it's a show or a movie. Um, but either way, it's going to be something to view on the Netflix again. It's starting April 15th, and Robert England is one of the stars of the thing. Uh, horror legend. Sounds like a good idea. Sounds fun. Definitely going to check that out. Uh, let's see. Patrick Wilson has confirmed production on Blumhouse's fifth installment in the Insidious franchise, uh, which is going to start... Shooting in September, not September, I'm an idiot, spring. <laughs> um, the new film will see the story going back to the Chapter 2 uh, storyline. We'll be picking up a decade after the events of Chapter 2 with uh, Dalton heading off to college and coming to grips with his uh, project, uh, projection abilities as well as growing up. Uh, if you're a fan of the Insidious franchise, especially the original um, storylines there, you are in luck here, as it sounds like Patrick Wilson, who is directing the film, uh, is going to be taking them back in time to Chapter 2. I think Chapter 3 is my favorite in the Insidious franchise, to be fair. I don't know for sure. <laughs> That's another one of those franchises I'll have to revisit when um, I get to uh, Nightmare on Reveal Street. I uh, definitely will jump into that franchise for sure to give that a look-see uh, and see how I feel about it. Pretty sure three is still the one I like the most. Uh, let's see. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, the man we all love. You can't hate J.G.L. Um, he will be playing Jim Jones in a film titled White Knight, which is a psychological thriller based on Jonestown survivor Deborah Layton's memoir, Seductive Poison. Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz will be playing Layton in the film. Jones was the leader of the uh, People's Temple Religious Organization, uh, who was behind a mass casualty event in 1978, during which uh, 19 of the followers died after drinking um, poison at his behest. Uh, the incident occurred at um, uh, in Jonestown, um, or at Jonestown Commune, uh, in, you know, just insanity. Um, now, uh, you may remember that there is a Leonardo DiCaprio movie in the works as well, where he's playing Jim Jones, uh, which is titled Jim Jones. Uh, both films are dealing with pretty much the same subject matter, but it does sound like the films will be taking different approaches to it. Uh, White Knight seems to be like a uh, more approach to examining Jonestown through the lens of a survivor, as the DiCaprio film is uh, more focused on uh, Jim Jones himself. Uh, so, there you go. <laughs> um... I, I mean, the world seems to have, like, a fascination with um, cult leaders and stories about cults and all this stuff. It seems like something has been picking up, especially with Netflix and the documentaries and all this stuff. Um, it's interesting. This is something I've heard about before. I have never dive, um, delved deep into it. But, you know, we got two movies on the way starring two very talented actors. So, and let's not crap on Chloe Grace Moretz. She's talented as well. Um, so we'll see where, you know, things end up going there. Uh, but nonetheless, you got two films on the way if you wanted to ever dive into Jim Jones' uh, storyline there. You see Anne Hathaway and Thomason McKenzie, uh, who you may know, I believe she's an upcoming actress. Uh, she was in The Last Night in Soho. Uh, they will star in a film together called Eileen. In the film, Eileen, played by McKenzie, is a peculiar young woman. So this movie is directed by... Tim Burton, of course. No, it's not. <laughs> um, 
uh, plays a particular young woman, aloof and unfazed by the gloomy nature of her job at a local youth prison. But something in her changes the day that the new counselor, Dr. Rebecca St. John, played by Oscar winner Anne Hathaway, arrives. Uh, she is instantly captivated by Rebecca's glamorous, enigmatic presence. As the two women grow closer, Eileen is impressed, to, uh, inspired to explore new facets of her own personality and desires. But her metamorphosis takes a twisted turn when Rebecca reveals a dark secret, throwing Eileen onto a much more sinister path. I'm into it, man. Uh, Anne Hathaway, I mean, she's great. Uh, there's Thomas and McKenzie, like I said, I believe she can be considered a newcomer. The first thing I know her from is Last Night in Soho, uh, which I thought she was amazing in. So I can't wait to see where that goes there. Sounds like an interesting enough story. Um, speaking of interesting, we already know how I feel about 824. You know, beat a dead horse on this. But uh, we do have news that they are making a slasher movie. As they're uh, entering that arena with their upcoming film, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Uh, it, let the bodies hit the floor is not in this movie. What a wasted um, opportunity there. Uh, in the slasher film, a uh, when a group of young 20-somethings plan a hurricane party at a remote family mansion, a party game turns deadly. And this fresh and funny look at backstabbing, fake friends, and one party gone very, very wrong. Um... It sounds interesting enough. Um, like I said, like I said, I'm not gonna be a dead horse. I'm not the biggest fan of A24, so we'll see how this uh, ends up going. But it sounds interesting enough. I love me a good slasher movie. Um, so we'll see what happens, man. We'll see what happens. It's definitely, uh, definitely one of the few A24 movies where I'm like, I want to see where this goes. Uh, I was like that as well for the Green Knight. I still haven't fucking seen it. Um, so let's uh, keep that in mind while we're moving along here. So. That does it for the horror stuff, man, which now we're going to jump into Star Wars. We've got some Star Wars news to talk about on this episode, uh, starting it off with a, rele uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> a release date was apparently leaked uh, for the Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Do you say Obi-Wan or do you say Obi-Wan? Um, either way, Kenobi series <laughs> may have um, been leaked in a now-deleted tweet by a Disney Plus executive by the name of Brandon San Giovanni who tweeted, quote, our very own Obi-Wan, hello there, on Disney Plus, May 2022, end quote. Now, uh, the delete, uh, the delete, the tweet has since been deleted, since it was picked up by a lot of people and put out uh, throughout the world. Things to think about here is that there is a comic book based on Obi-Wan coming out in May, which may have been the reference here, but I don't think it's too far to overly speculated that wouldn't be too surprised if a show that is highly anticipated just so happens to be released in may maybe around yeah you know, i don't know the fourth <laughs> which so happens to be a day that the star wars fans love because may the fourth be with you um would not be surprised if this show was released sometime around there uh the only thing we really know about the show was the brief teaser we got during what was it like disney day or disney plus day or whatever the fudge um we got the foreshadowing of a duel between uh, Obi-Wan and Darth Vader, which, of course, Hayden Christensen is returning to the role. Um, but other than that, we don't really know much else about the show, but I am excited about it. I, I like Star Wars. I like the Star Wars um, world. It's fun to watch the Star Wars stuff. With that said, I've not seen a single episode of The Mandalorian. I think I saw the first one, trying to watch it with my brother. Did not go well. 
Um, so I haven't seen, I'm very, I'm very out of date with it. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen any of the Book of Boba Fett. Um, so I need to catch up on that for sure. But, uh, there's so much stuff to watch, man. Um, other Star Wars news also dealing with the show is the Andor show. Um, the star of the show, one of the stars of the show, Stellan uh, Skarsgård, teased that a freaking sequel is already upcoming for the Disney Plus series that has not even released yet. Not expected till later this year, which gives us more leadway into the fact that uh, that Obi Wan show may be coming out in May because you know this Andor show sounds like it's coming out later this year, which is probably around December time when I think the other shows. I don't know. Um, saying, quote, we start with uh, filming Dune Part 2 in July. And then in autumn, it's time for the second season of Star Wars series and or uh, going on saying, I do not know when they will start broadcasting it. It will take some time so that it does not take too long between season one and season two, end quote. So it sounds like they're rushing the Andor show. They don't want too much time to be spent between the two seasons, according to... Stellan Skarsgård here. Um, the Andor show features uh, Diego Luna reprising uh, his role from the Rogue One film of, of course, Cassian Andor. Uh, the film or the show, excuse me, is set five years after the events of Rogue One. The series will follow the adventures of the uh, titular hero, Rebel Spy, during uh, the formative years of the Rebellion. It will explore tales of espionage, yeah, and daring missions to restore hope to a galaxy in the grip of a ruthless empire. Um, production is underway currently for the first season of Andor over there in the UK. Um, so there you go, man. It's your Star Wars news. Now we're jumping into the video game news, baby. Which was going to have to start off with extremely unfortunate and sad news to have to report this. Um, but apparently... I'm not, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm going to say it afterwards why I'm not, but not too surprised this is happening. Um, Rocksteady Studios' Rocksteady Studios Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League is getting pushed to 2023. Uh, the film was, or film, the game was expected to release sometime this year. It was never given an actual release date for the year. Um, same with Gotham Knights and Hogwarts Legacy, uh, which do not officially have release dates for the year. Um... According to Warner Media Chief Executive Officer Jason Kalar, uh, he recently tweeted that Warner Brothers was going to be quote delivering a f deliver de good lord delivering of a full slate of highly anticipated games, in which he posted about Gotham Knights and Hogwarts Legacy. Uh, Suicide Squad was not mentioned at all on that list when he brought it up, which was a, I guess we could have taken it as a hint that it was not going to be something that was going to be released this year. But it is a positive that Gotham Knights and uh, Hogwarts Legacy is all still on track to release this year. And it's another reason why I'm not surprised Suicide Squad is being pushed back to 2023 is because why would you release two big games in your world at the same time like this? I think that's kind of I know there's plenty of time in the year and all that, but it just seems like you know we don't really have any you know, hard information on when Gotham Knights is coming out. So uh, it's not too surprising, you know, that you push it back, give this year to Gotham Knights, give next year to Suicide Squad. Uh, I think it's a win-win either way. Um, so, yeah, we'll see where that goes. But, again, um, speaking of Hogwarts Legacy, uh, there's no official release date, but a new art book based on the game is slated to release on September 6th. Uh, so this could mean that the game 
could possibly debut sometime around there. Would not be surprised if it's released close to, of course, the holiday season uh, for the uh, Christmas gifts or, or uh, what have you. So uh, we'll see. We'll obviously, I'll keep you posted on where that's going. I'm highly anticipating that game. Um, as well, I'm interested in the Gotham Knights game, man. So we'll keep you posted if we ever get some actual release dates for those bad boys. Um, speaking of awesome releases possibly coming, uh, Supermassive Games, who is behind, of course, the Dark Pictures Anthology and the game that I love so much, Until Dawn, um, has recently apparently filed for five new trademarks over there in the Europe uh, for what appears to be new entries in the series. Uh, Supermassive has now registered the following names with the European Union Intellectual Property Office. Um, we've got the Dark Pictures, the Craven Man. The Dark Pictures presents Oh Death, which, oh my god. I'll get back to that in a second. Um, the Dark Pictures, Directive 8020. The Dark Pictures, Intercession. And the Dark Pictures, Winter Fold. Um, this is not too dissimilar to how uh, we learned about the Devil and Me game uh, that was released on the same uh, by the same Twitter user uh, back in July after they found the trademarks being registered for the European the EU IPO. Um, <laughs> so the Devil and Me that's releasing that's currently in development supposed to release sometime this year. Um, again, like I said, God, if you haven't go play Until Dawn. The game is so good. Uh, and check out the other um, entries in the Dark Pictures Anthology. Uh, what is it? Uh, Man and Maiden, Little Hope, House of Ashes, and then, of course, The Devil and Me is coming out sometime this year. Um, but, yeah, let's go back to this freaking The Dark Pictures Presents O Death. If that's a sequel to Until Dawn, I'm going to lose my mind. And the reason I'm going into there is because the song that plays around the opening of Until Dawn is a song called O Death. So, what the hell? <laughs> um, I am highly anticipating, excited, and want to know what that is, man. That's that's got me very interested. I know there's like a there's a VR until dawn game out there and all this stuff. I don't believe it's like an actual sequel. Um, so give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Either way, I'm gonna play all of them anyways. I love this franchise. I love what they're doing. I love the anthology. Um, five more games. So I'm assuming this is like a season two kind of deal. Um, God, I'm so excited, man. I'm so excited for this. All right, let's see. And that does it for the news. So there you go. You got your mandatory DC, mandatory horror. You got some freaking, um, Star Wars stuff and uh, other stuff. Um, <laughs> so now we go into what's releasing this week. What can I watch this week, you ask? I've got some things you can watch this week, starting off with, um, one of the two films that I'm anticipating this month, um, kind of a slow month in my opinion. Uh, so the first movie we're going to talk about here is Death on the Nile, a star study cast. This movie is going to be PG-13, is a mystery thriller crime film. It is two hours and seven minutes and will be only in theaters. Uh, Belgian sleuth Hercule Poirot's Egyptian vacation abroad. A um, broad aboard a glamorous river streamer, a steamer, good lord, turns into a terrifying search for a murderer when a picture perfect couple's idyllic honeymoon is tragically cut short. Set against an epic landscape of sweeping desert vistas and majestic Giza pyramids, the tale of unbridled passion and incapacitating jealousy. 
features a cosmopolitan group of impeccably dressed travelers. Could they use any more freaking words? And enough wicked twists and turns to leave audiences guessing until the final shocking end. Um, so yeah, man. I'm in. Sign me up. Plus Gal Gadot's in it. I'm in. Dude, Russell Brand's in it. I'm in. It's going to be... Uh, this is the movie I'm planning and hoping to see this weekend in theaters unless something happens. Um... Let's see, we got a movie called Marry Me, which is PG-13. is a romance comedy. One hour, 52 minutes. Seems kind of long for a romance comedy, but that's beyond the point. Um, this will be theaters and streaming save, uh, same day. Cat uh, Valdez, played by Jennifer Lopez, uh, is half of uh, the sexiest celebrity power couple on Earth. What, Benifer? Uh With a hot new music, Supernova, uh, Bestone. Um... <laughs> As Catton Bastone's an inescapable hit single, Marry Me, climbs the charts, they are about to be wed before an audience of their fans in a ceremony that will be streamed across multi-platforms. Divorced high school math teacher Charlie Gilbert, played by Owen Wilson, has been dragged to the concert by his daughter and his best friend, played by Sarah, or his daughter, played by Chloe Coleman, and his best friend, Sarah Silverman. Uh, while Cat learns seconds before the ceremony that uh, Bastane has cheated on her with her assistant her life turns left as she has a meltdown on stage questioning love thought uh, truth and loyalty as her world falls away she looks locks eyes with a stranger a face in the crowd uh and then um yeah, I don't want to keep reading this. Uh, it's a Jennifer Lopez movie. I don't think I've ever liked a single Jennifer Lopez movie. Nothing against her. It's just I don't think I've ever liked a single one of her movies. Um, you know, uh, you've seen the trailer probably. You know, that that falls apart. She finds out he's cheating. Uh, she looks in the crowd. She sees Owen Wilson. They get married. Or they're going to get married. Yada, yada, yada. You know, whatever. Uh, marry me. That's going to be streaming and in theaters at the same time. Uh, let's see. Student body, mystery, thriller, horror. Yes, one hour, 28 minutes. Good freaking length of time for a movie like this. Uh, limited theaters and streaming. When a brilliant Jane Shipley's math teacher oversteps his bounds, an apathetic high school administration administration forces Jane... What? <laughs> apathetic high school administration forces Jane and her childhood best friend to make matters into... Or take matters into their... I'm struggling. Take, take matters into their own hands, inciting dangerous and deadly consequences. Um, okay, that's interesting. And uh, Kevin Smith's daughter is going to be in this movie, Harley Quinn Smith. So, there you go. Uh, let's see. Black Light, PG-13, action, mystery, thriller, one hour, 45 minutes. This will be in theaters. Uh, trust, identity, and the danger of unchecked power push a comfort, covert operative convert operative to the edge and director Mark Williams' intense action thriller, Blacklight. Uh, Travis Block, who's played by Liam Neeson. I thought that dude was retiring, like, years ago from action movies. Whatever. Uh, Travis Block lives and fights in the shadows. Freelance government, quotes Fixer, Block is a dangerous man whose assignments have included extracting agents out of deep cover situations. When Block discovers a shadowy program called Operation Unity is striking down ordinary citizens for reasons known only to Block's boss, FBI Chief Robinson. He enlists the help of a journalist, 
but his past and present collide when his daughter and granddaughter are threatened. Don't threaten Liam Neeson's daughters in the movie, man. Um, so now Block needs to rescue the people he loves and expose the truth for the shot at redemption. Nothing and no one is safe when the secrets are hidden in black light. <laughs> Alright, uh, let's see. We got the in-between romance drama. Uh, PG-13, this is streaming. Uh, the in-between is a supernatural love story that centers on a teenage girl, Tessa, played by Joey King. Uh, the very talented Joey King. Uh, Tessa, who, after bouncing around in foster homes for most of her childhood, doesn't believe she deserves her own love story. Aww. Everything changes after she has a chance encounter with Skylar, a senior from a neighboring town who's a true romantic. As her heart begins to open, tragedy strikes when a car accident takes Skylar's life while Tessa survives. What? Okay. Was this freaking ghost? Um, as Tessa searches for answers in the aftermath of the accident, she soon believes Skylar is attempting to reconnect with her from the afterworld. Uh, with the help of her best friend and newfound belief that love never dies, Tessa attempts to contact Skylar one last time in order to give their love the epic ending it deserves. Aw, teen romances. Alright, and final one we got here is Kimmy, rated R, mystery and thriller, 2 hours and 29 minutes. Good lord uh this is streaming on hbo max an agoraphobic tech worker discovers recorded evidence of a violent crime but is met with resistance when she tries to report it seeking justice she must now do the things she fears the most she must leave her apartment is like agoraphobia something that's like being made into a lot of films recently because it seems like it's being made into a lot of films recently <laughs> maybe it's just me but it seems like a lot of things i've come across has to do with agoraphobia that freaking amy adams movie right um whatever it was what the hell was it the woman in the window or whatever um so yeah either way i am interested in the movie i did see this trailer it did seem interesting enough reading that synopsis does seem interesting enough two hours 29 minutes maybe pushing it um but i'll, I'll watch it especially it's on hbo max so i'll check it out man so kimmy and Definitely and I will have my attention the most this week. Um, for sure. So that'll do it for the, uh, the, uh, the news and the uh, stuff that's releasing this week. But uh, we're going to talk about what I watched since the last time we talked. <laughs> I don't know why I'm going in a super southern accent. That's beyond the point right now. But um, I'm just killing time, honestly, to pull up... Uh, the trailer for what I'm going to talk about here. So, um, give me a second here. Don't make any noise. Don't make any noise. Don't make any noise. All right, cool. Um, never know when you try to pull up these trailers if it's going to play some stupid ad or not. So, here we go, man. I got the trailer ready for you. I'm going to go ahead and hit this trailer, and after it, we're going to talk a little bit about this. Not going to go too long on it, but we're going to talk about it for sure. So, here is the trailer. He was the consummate character actor. A character actor who became a star. That face was just so magical. There is not a single movie I've ever done that is not under the shadow that this man casts. This storm will be magnificent. He kind of backs in to the scene and turns around slowly at the lights. And there's that face. You can't imagine a better entrance. 
You can show that image to almost anyone in the world. What's this? Frankenstein. In The Bride of Frankenstein, they virtually crucify the monster. I saw my messiah. The gods will receive into the underworld the spirit of Ankh Zanaman. He had just an extraordinary career. I mean, everybody raves about him. People think of him as either British or Russian, but he was actually of Indian descent. There were various things he didn't want to talk about. What was he running away from when he left home? What was he frightened of? He becomes kind of a lovable uncle. He was Uncle Boris. He was a very, very interesting, complex man, but he's always an outsider, always feels he doesn't quite belong. You'll never get rid of me, darling. I think there's an enigma. There's a real mystery at the heart of Boris Karloff, and no one's quite cracked it yet. Certain actors bring the camera to them, and Karloff had that power. All right, man, that was the trailer for uh, Boris Karloff, the man behind the monster uh i was super stoked to check this out um you know uh before we do that <laughs> getting ahead of myself a little bit here uh the film or the documentary excuse me is has a 95 percent rating on uh rotten tomatoes and i think like a 7.7 out of 10 so i think it's like a 93 if i'm reading this correctly on um I don't know how that's a 93. Whatever. Um, maybe that's 93 ratings. I'm an idiot. Uh, 7.7 out of 10 on IMDb. So you know what? We're just going to close that right now for being disrespectful. For uh, being disrespectful. Um, so yeah. Boris Karloff, the man behind the monster. You couldn't tell from the trailer there. Uh, this is a documentary about the man, Boris Karloff, who is one of the most recognizable and loved freaking figures in horror history, who of course was behind the Frankenstein monster as well as many other classic horror films and other classic things in um film in general uh the grinch heard of it uh so yeah interviews throughout with it you know you've got gilmore del toro on this thing you got roger corman uh john landis you know a freaking um who's who essentially you got some you know um old recordings of boris karloff's uh talking about some of his films and all that stuff man highly anticipating this because you know Obviously, this guy, you know, became a huge, actually, I mean, it kind of goes in the documentary, didn't necessarily become a huge star after the first Frankenstein film. Um, as you'll learn in the documentary, it was just weird to think about uh, now in this day and age where, like, oh, freaking Frankenstein's monster is so iconic, and that movie is just a freaking, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but it's like one of the most recognized and beloved films ever, Right. Uh, when you think of horror movies, you're like, oh, freaking Frankenstein's monster and the Universal Monsters and all that, uh, which Boris Karloff did and, you know, The Mummy and countless other things with him. Um, it's an interesting documentary to kind of look into because, you know, for me, I know the name Boris Karloff. And I know Frankenstein's monster and, you know, things of that nature, but I've never, you know, done a deep dive necessarily into the man's career or, you know, honestly, I just watched uh, Frankenstein for the first time um, after watching this documentary because they are both on... Uh, shutter uh speaking of, again i talked about it last week i'll talk about it till the end of time i love the shutter streaming service and they did they have a boris karloff collection which i've been going through slowly throughout the week um you know because after i finished watching the documentary which is part of that collection i watched frankenstein um and then i watched uh oh lord uh, it's escaping me now it's uh the old house or whatever um 
close. I forgot the word dark. <laughs> the old dark house. Um, that was part of it. And there's a couple more movies part of the collection that I'm definitely going to highly anticipate checking out. I think Bride of Frankenstein's next one for me. But I enjoyed, like, I enjoyed the documentaries and that, like, it's, um, it's built in a different way. It, like, kind of starts off talking about, uh, you know, some of his famous stuff. And then it goes into, like, the start of his career. And you kind of learn about some of the struggles he went through. And how even when something you would think it was a big success, wasn't necessarily a big success for him and things of that nature. And it's like, it was, it was interesting, it's intriguing, you know, and it's cool to go through there and learn some things about the man. Um, I do recommend watching the documentary. I recommend getting Shudder in general. Uh, after that, I watched uh, Frankenstein for the first time and utterly enjoyed it. I mean, there's one part of the movie that I'm kind of like, eh, you know, um, doesn't necessarily make sense. Um, but, um, doesn't ruin the movie by any means. I can understand why it's an absolute classic, and it is an absolute classic. It's just, and then after that, I watched the, the old Dark House, which I enjoyed the whole time. I might have even liked it more than Frankenstein, to be completely honest with you. And it's just, it's so cool watching these movies that were like released in the 30s, like 1931 and 32, respectively. And it's just seeing how it is. Like, I love horror movies, and I just seeing the progression of gone, some things that gone through. You know, we live in a day and age where it's not every horror movie, but a lot of horror movies rely on gore and, you know, shock factor in these day and age. And let's have them make them so shocking and out there. And then you look at these movies that came out in the 30s, you're like, man, like, they don't have to do all that stuff to get you. Like, just seeing the monster for the first time, you're like, yeah. And you see the mannerisms and the movement and all that stuff. Like, in a time where story and acting is what, you know, it was the main thing to deliver, you know, what they needed to get through to you. It was just so cool to watch, man. I can't wait to watch these other movies and go through all these things. It's just, it's so awesome just to watch these old things. And I have a mind that's wide open to everything when it comes to movies. I'll watch it eventually at some point. If I don't want to watch it now, I'll eventually watch it sometime down the line or I'll come to it in some way, shape, or form. And, you know, when it comes to horror movies and all that stuff, uh, you know, I have a very open mind, man. Like, give me all the horror content you can give me. If it fucking sucks, it fucking sucks. But I'm just cool. I'm glad to watch it, you know. Um, in a way. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, this is maddening. But, you know, what can you do? But it just, it's so cool just seeing, like, the roots and the everything to deal with this and deal with that. And freaking, while we're on the subject, the freaking posters for these movies back in the day. Mwah, brilliant. God so brilliant dude just the posters are so incredible like just everything back then dude like that's one of those things where people like if i had a time machine i go back to you know so-and-so decade or so-and-so time like i want to go back to a time when like horror movies were so like out of the ordinary and there weren't like you had to get like a freaking disclaimer and they had to warn you before going into these movies like be warned, this is gonna, things are gonna get out of hand, it's gonna be crazy, you may pass out, you know, you're gonna faint, you could, you know, oh, God, amazing time to live in, and I'm not upset about the time I live in now, man, I, I enjoy the fact that we get a ton and a lot of horror movies and all that, don't get me wrong, there's stuff that's very enjoyable about the time we live in, it's just, it's cool to see, like, this stuff and go back in this time, and, you know, definitely, when it comes to the documentary, just seeing, you know, the steps he had to go through and what he went through and, you know, the time he spent in becoming um, Frankenstein's monster, the even more time that he spent in becoming the mummy for, like, barely any screen time. It's like, and I still haven't seen that movie. I gotta check that movie out. So I believe it's on, or in the collection as well, Shudder. It's just, it's so, 
fascinating, man. It's it's very fascinating. Um, so yeah, I definitely recommend getting Shudder in general. But like getting, you know, checking out the documentary, worth it. It's on Shudder. You can rent it on some um, other services if you don't get Shudder. But I mean, come on, just get Shudder. Um, and check out all these other classic movies they got there in the Boris Karloff collection. Like I said, it's cool to dive into, you know, some of his life. I don't... I don't think the documentary is like, maybe it is, I don't know, it's like an hour and 30 minutes. Um, I, you know, they don't do like a deep, 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 deep dive and everything, but they give you, you know, they talk about the stuff he went through and how he was trying to get a job here and how, how much he went through to get a job and how he had to work and even when he got a big role, he still had to keep ticking away and getting to where he needed to get to until, you know, he became the man behind the monsters and all that stuff. Um... And you learn about his childhood life and some of the trauma he went through and all that stuff. And it's just, it's a good documentary, man. It was, it was fascinating to watch as far as I'm concerned. And just seeing, um, you know, and this isn't a full review of, you know, Frankenstein or the old Dark House or anything like that. Maybe I'll do that later on. Um, you know, I was honestly just enjoying the movies. I wasn't really watching to review, <laughs> um, which is great, man. It's, it's nice to watch movies sometimes and not just uh, be watching them because, oh, I got a review this let me you know do that let me it's fun to sit down and just watch a movie um so yeah dude uh documentary is great i i definitely suggest checking it out and i'm looking more into and watching boris Karloff stuff man there's some masterminds behind uh the world of horror if you're a horror fan and you want to you know get into stuff man check out check that out for sure uh it, it's it's worth your time for sure uh but that does it does that do it for this episode yeah it does it for this episode man um hope you all enjoyed it um, we'll talk to you next week, hopefully with a review of, uh, Death of Nile. If not that, I'll probably have a review for Kimmy. Who knows, man? Show's twisting around. I'll probably have something else to talk about. Never know, man. Never know with me. All you know, I'm going to give you a show. <laughs> um, so that does it this week, man. Hope you all enjoyed yourselves. I will talk to you next week. And remember that, uh, happiness can be found even in the darkest of times if one remembers to turn on the light. Talk to you next week. Thank you for joining me this week. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get updates on all new episodes. As well, follow me on Twitter at review underscore it underscore Rob. Stay tuned for more adventures.